we've reached out to a lot of council members and um, the ones that are more receptive to us are the ones that have heard from their community already that people want it. And the ones that don't want anything to do with us are the ones that are like, yeah, our community doesn't want this. No one has ever asked us for this. So it really, really matters to just kind of spread your voice and make it known that this is a way that you would like to live and do something about it rather than just complaining that nothing exists. Welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast, the show where you learn how to plan, build, and live the tiny lifestyle. I'm your host, Ethan Waldman. Today, my guest is Teresa Baker. She's the co-founder of The Latch Collective, which is a support network for DIY tiny builders. She also leads advocacy efforts in Los Angeles and statewide with the American Tiny House Association. In her spare time, she's working on her own self-built tiny, the Bacon Box. In this conversation, you'll learn about how the Latch Collective supports people building tiny houses in LA and provides education and resources for those who are still exploring the possibilities of tiny living. Teresa is also involved in the exciting advocacy efforts happening to legalize tiny homes in Los Angeles. We'll hear the serendipitous story of how a planning commissioner overheard her conversation in a bar and approached her to help lead the efforts to include tiny houses in some new regulations. For anyone who's wondering how you can get tiny homes legalized in your community, listen to this conversation with Teresa Baker for practical tips and plenty of inspiration. Before we hear from Teresa, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. This is the 24th episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. That means we've been putting out a show every Friday for the last six months. All of your reviews, comments, and positive feedback has really been a great encouragement as I continue to find new guests for the show. I love getting to have these conversations and getting to share them with you, and I sincerely hope that the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast has been helpful for you on your tiny house journeys. So, no call to action, not asking you to do anything, just wanted to say thanks for being here. I hope you'll stick around. Teresa Baker, welcome to the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be chatting with you today. Me too. So, what is Latch Collective? Latch Collective is Los Angeles Tiny Co-Built Homes. So, we are a support network for tiny house enthusiasts. We mainly focus on providing educational experiences, whether it be in the form of workshops or hands-on co-building experiences. So co-building is when we've got someone within our network that's building their own tiny house and they um, basically want help from the community of people who are interested in learning varied skills. And so we set up days for people from the community to come out and and build together so that the person who's building a tiny house isn't so alone in their journey. And yeah, we do a few other things and we provide some connections to professionals, but we're really growing and that what I've explained is kind of our main mission. <laughs> nice. So does Latch Collective have a physical space that that you work from? Yeah, we were for a while, we were really in like the forming stages and we were looking for space and it's very difficult in Los Angeles to have affordable warehouse space. Our dream is to have like more of a makerspace area with multiple build um, site, like basically spaces going on at once. But um, for now, we've got 
one latch specific site. And then we've actually got seven builds going on right now from various people within our community and people have found their own spaces to build, but we do have one warehouse space that is, um, you know, it's a, it's, I guess, a, right beside a beautiful warehouse and it is covered by the sun by a shade structure. And it's really an awesome place that just happens out of, you know, networking within our community. And so that's awesome. We'd like to expand in the future so that we can have like people be more central and near to each other. But at the same time, Los Angeles, I don't know if you've ever been, but it's so spread out. So having different locations that people kind of, we, we help people in a way find a sometimes to build and then they've kind of just got their own thing going on and we support we send out our support throughout the city and then it works better actually sometimes for people to be distributed like that yeah i mean finding a place to build for me in rural vermont was was so easy you know i could have i could have had my pick of so many different people's yards or barns but in a city you know i can hardly imagine how difficult it is so it's a really great thing that you're doing just trying to connect people who are interested in tiny houses, people who are building tiny houses with other people who want to support and maybe have space to allow a build to happen. Exactly. Yeah, it's a challenge. But like, again, when you when you widen your network, it does become a reality. So sometimes it's a bit of patience. But now that we have that one dedicated space that's staying available, we just I mean, builds take a while. So we're kind of rotating through it. But at the same time, people who are wanting to find their own, we We've been able to use our own network and find spaces um, for people um, that they didn't have in their own, that they don't, they didn't have in their own network. So that's been awesome. Yeah. So tell me the story. How did this all come to be? What, what inspired you to, to create Latch Collective? Latch? Well, it's, it's basically a dream organization that existed. It started up um, as almost um, an ideal cooperative business um, that it was mostly a class project. To be honest, I was in regional and urban planning and I just got, I convinced my class to, to focus on tiny homes for a semester and just like, be open to this possibility of like co-building and they were like, okay, not that into it because tiny homes really weren't that big at the time. They've, you know, the movement has really grown into the planning field. You, you know, everybody's talking about this legalization, but anyhow, at the time it wasn't a part of urban planning conversation really. And so um, the idea kind of spurred from there. And then my wife, Shana, she did, did a master's in business and she kind of took that project of my idea for this co-building of tiny homes a little bit further in her exploration during her project. But they were, it was really just a way for us to kind of fantasize about this dream organization. And it wasn't until um, we moved to Los Angeles and started um, some community groups, just trying to gauge like what other tiny house enthusiasts were doing in the area. And um, that it was really the the mission was just to kind of connect it with other people and provide support. But we knew that we wanted to build our own tiny house in more of a community setting. So it turns out that other people were really aligning with that. And um, when I moved to Los Angeles, I was having difficulty finding work as an urban planner because my focuses were just a lot different when I'm lived in Canada, which is where I'm from. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to, let's do this. I'm going to put in the time to make Latch Collective happen. There's people here that also want the same things that we want. And I think it can be a reality after kind of testing some of the interests. So yeah, that's how it kind of started. It wasn't called Latch always. And we kind of, 
it was also formed a lot by, you know, input from the community and it, it's still, it's right now it's an LLC. It's owned by my wife and I, but from the beginning, the get go, we've been wanting to be a cooperative. So we're currently in the process of really bunkering down and converting into a cooperatively owned, um, business. Very cool. So can anyone join or do you have to be building a tiny house? No, we, um, do not just say you have to be building a tiny house because that would be, um, sad because you would, you know, there's a lot to learn before you even are ready to build. So yes, our members are um, very vast in their interests. Actually, some people are just interested in like, um, affordable housing advocacy, or some people are interested in co-housing and it's a good network to kind of connect into, um, yeah, there's someone who just wants to do like a conversion in a car so she can get a little bit more handy and build like um, a place to nap when she needs. And another lady is interested in co-ops, but just wanted to learn how to use a drill. So we also do tool orientations and um, it's a way for people from the community to get familiar with like table saws and, and drills and all these other kind of things we got going on in, um, in a supportive and beginner mindset. So it's really um, for anyone who's interested in our services, you subscribe as we call them latch learners. And then there's a different level of involvement for people who are building their own tiny house. We're like, okay, let's get you kind of oriented to, to set up co-builds and everything. But we are very inclusive and it's really actually awesome the diversity that we do have in our community. Something that makes us strong is that we've got young people as young as like a six-year-old who comes out and helps, <laughs> but with his mom. And then we, you know, we've got, um, people in their twenties and then we've got people in their sixties and people from all type of backgrounds. So it's really great. The, um, the diversity, um, that we have in this group. That's fantastic. So I have been seeing quite a bit of news out of LA about the tiny house advocacy efforts. Can you tell us about what's going on there with tiny house legalization? Yeah. So it's really exciting. And this is, <laughs> it's kind of a long story. If you want the like short version, I can give you that where we're at right now, or would you like how it kind of happened and the, the longer version of the story? What, do you, what would you like even? <laughs> I want the long version of the story. Yeah. Well, hopefully Please. the listeners do as well. That's exciting. <laughs> okay. So I want to tell the long version too, because I hope that it will inspire people listening to um, do more than they think they can, um, because that's kind of what happened to me. So moving here, you know, before I moved here to Los Angeles, um, I knew about some of the planning situations going on, like accessory dwelling units, which were called second dwelling units, and a few other ordinances that might make it possible to live in tiny homes. So I was nerding out even before I moved here, kind of exploring some zoning and coding language just because I studied urban planning. So it was an interest already of mine. So um, when I moved here, I kind of knew the names of people that worked in the departments and knew that there was these hearings going on, but it was very intimidating to actually go to like city hall in Los Angeles, a big city and, you know, make a difference I, about something that I wasn't, you know, I would just moved here and I was like, Oh, I'm not really part of this community yet. And who am I to kind of make suggestions and changes? So I went to, um, uh, planning meeting. I think it was a city hearing on their 
new second dwelling unit ordinance in 2016, I think it was. And I wanted to comment and, you know, suggest tiny homes, but I just got so intimidated and I ended up not making a public comment, even though I had like promoted it within our community as like something that we should all be doing. It was very overwhelming. And so, um, I ended up just like sitting there and watching and, um, I was like, okay, you know, I'll try again next time. Like very, very nervous still to like make a change as I felt like I was a nobody. And so, um, you know, the community, the tiny house enthusiast community grew, um, we started having, you know, promotion stuff about Latch because we were just kind of forming up. And we ended up having one of our meetings in this bar downtown Los Angeles, a group of like 20 people. So we kind of stuck out a little bit. And there was this dude who was in a suit and he was kind of just hovering above our table. And I was like, what? who is this guy? He kind of like circled around and was trying to listen because it was a little bit loud in the bar. And he ended up just interrupting our, our meeting. I was like trying to talk about the different things about Latch. And he was like, excuse me, sorry. Um, my name is um, Matthew Glesney and I work for the planning department. And I knew who he was already because I had like done, done some research, you know. Already. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. And yeah. He, he was like, I'm, you know, I'd love to hear more about tiny homes. It looks like you guys are interested in tiny homes. Here's my card. Could, yeah. And then he kind of just gave me his card and was like, oh, we'll talk later. So he ended up emailing me. Um, that night, cause I gave him my card as well. And he was like, I think we met tonight at the bar. <laughs> well, you know, like, even though it wasn't like that, he just kind of came over, like, maybe we can set up a time to meet at this city hall. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, this is the guy that's actually writing that accessory dwelling unit ordinance. He's in charge of it. And he, um, this whole time that he was drafting the original ordinance had been interested in tiny homes. I found out. So I went to the city to meet with him and his assistant, and yeah, we were just talk- chatting about tiny homes. And like, at this point, I had gotten more involved with advocacy already and given workshops about like the legalities, but like, still didn't realize like, just reaching out, just like, ex- just um, making yourself known in-, in public, like having a voice kind of does attract the kind of energy that's like, wait, people are organizing for this. It's a big deal. At least it's a bigger deal than if the city, city guys basically think that nobody but he wants it. So before Matthew, who was writing the ordinance, did he, even though he was interested in tiny homes, even though he's interested in tiny homes, he didn't think that, um, it was a valid thing to include because he hadn't heard anyone from the community desiring this. So he left it out and he had actually drafted language that he showed me in that first meeting. And he was like, I wrote this, but like, I didn't end up including, including it. Cause I thought it would rock the boat too much. Um, blah, blah, blah. It's kind of, you know, not something that the community desired. So just by being a part of the community and, and really making your voice, it changed everything. So I was able to, you know, work with him to give a lot of supportive language examples of what has happened in other communities and, um, get connections to like make presentations to, um, different people within city hall, me and Dan Fitzpatrick basically drafted, helped draft some language along with tiny house advocates across the country, basically. And, um, then they, the, the ordinance, the funny thing is that the ordinance had already been written, but because, and, and we were kind of like at this point, like, well, it's already been written. We're a little bit too late, but we, um, organized and showed up to a public hearing, a bunch of tiny house enthusiasts and advocates. And I basically, we organized each other and what we were going to public comment. And we ended up just making really strong arguments that they should change the draft language and include movable tiny homes. And the city um, planning um, committee at that point basically unanimously voted that they would send that 
suggestion to the legal office and that they should, yes, they should write language for movable tiny homes. So it was a huge, just like came out of nowhere. People at the meeting were like, what, what are these tiny house people showing up and like changing this ordinance that's already been drafted? And so from there, that was already 2017 at this point, spring of 2017. Um, so it's, it takes a while to make change, but just showing up every time that there's a meeting and making more public comments is what our strategy has been. I've been there all of all of the meetings and haven't let them, you know, let the conversation go. And um, basically right now um, it's it's been to like two more meetings every it's always positive. They just want more language and they want to figure out the details. So right now we're hoping that by the end of 2018, that it will be, um, it's already drafted like the language, the new language, including movable tiny houses. You can find it online on the city, um, website for like what they are proposed to write, but they just need to, you know, finalize the language and vote on it. So hoping that will be a thing by the end of 2018. And that's my story to inspire people because I was a nobody, but it just doesn't matter. Like just showing up and actually being passionate and connecting with people and having that confidence, a little bit of a confidence and having a group behind you really helps. So everybody can make a change. So that's my story. That's such an amazing story because I mean, for so many reasons, the serendipity of this guy just overhearing your conversation in the bar. I mean, how lucky is that? I know, right? <laughs> but also just the fact that they wanted to include tiny houses, but they they weren't including it because they hadn't heard from anybody. And it just goes to show that, you know, if you in your community are like kind of wishing or hoping that, you know, I hope tiny houses get legalized. Like, why aren't they doing this? It's like... The answer to that is like you need to go and make that yeah. suggestion and connect with the people who do this planning because they might already be interested. It's so important just to be. Oh, that's. I, I guess I wasn't going to say this, but be the change. Like, be the I change. Hear it all the time and, and yeah, be the change, people. I read all the time on Facebook, like, oh, in our community, it's so annoying. And even people in Los Angeles, like, it's so annoying how it's not legal in Los Angeles, and people just kind of don't even do the research. Like the, the, the entry level research into finding out what's going on in their community about the topic and mm -hmm. just kind of complain about how things aren't available. And yeah, like it really, it's just a matter of, I mean, it doesn't always work that way. I will be honest, like some communities are not open, but, but really I think what people need to understand is that this is a national conversation happening amongst planners across the country. Like, um, I, I was making a presentation in a smaller city of California, San Luis Obispo. Um, they invited me to speak on, you know, tiny homes at one of their like public engagement sessions run by the city. And the guy that was introducing me worked for the city. He was a planner. And he said at the national conference um, for planners that year, the session that was the most attended other than the keynote speakers was this, what do we do about tiny home session? And like thousands of people were at this because so many people from the community had been just like asking um, about like, where can I put my tiny home? So like that shows that the, the, it's kind of like that, you know, the water's rising. People are at this critical mass of, okay, we can't just ignore this or tell them that it's not legal can, forever because people are assuming that they can put them somewhere. People are buying them. People, you know, want them. And so continuing that demand, writing into your planning offices, writing into your elected officials, your city council people, and just saying, I would like a place to live in this community and I would like to do it in a tiny house. There's, there's no, there's no threat in that to you personally, if you're just expressing your interest. And that really makes a difference. Like we've 
reached out to a lot of council members and um, the ones that are more receptive to us are the ones that have heard from their community already that people want it. And the ones that don't want anything to do with us are the ones that are like, yeah, our community doesn't want this. No one has ever asked us for this. So it really, really matters to just kind of spread your voice and make it known that this is a way that you would like to live and do something about it rather than just complaining that nothing exists. I love that. So where are we now? Like are tiny houses legal in LA or is is there still like they've submitted this recommendation to the legal team and we're waiting? Yeah, it's gone from the legal team. It's gone back to the planning department. There's language now been drafted, which is awesome. I was kind of, I, I take it like with a grain of salt every step. I kind of am preparing myself for, oh, maybe they'll just, you know, erase it or they won't. They won't go forward with it, but they've definitely moved with it. And that's been exciting. So basically it went to the planning commission. So anytime like a law, no, sorry, I've got a little dog named Waffles. He's actually a huge dog. and <laughs> No problem. Barks. So if you hear barking in the background, it's my pit bull baby. And I tried to give him with his bone to distract him, but I guess he got bored of it. So anyway, sorry about that. No worries. <laughs> Anyways, when um, a law gets, you know, uh, planning, when any new codes or language for zoning um, get passed, it has to go by the planning commission to commission it into being, you know, legal. But that um, the planning commission basically looked at the draft language and had questions. So they said, you know, this is great, but we have questions about, you know, connecting to utilities and how does that work? And so they sent it back the department for further information and research once it goes they're having another meeting at the end of september so that's coming up and then hopefully they'll make their recommendations to keep you know to keep on including this language and the recommendation to um you know include it within the ordinance and then planning city or sorry the city um council will basically vote on it and it will need like a majority vote in order to be um included, but they won't be able to pick and choose at that point. Like they'll just basically have to say yay, yay or nay to the full ordinance. And there's more issues wrapped up in the ordinance. So it might be other things that end up delaying it. Hopefully not though. Like this ordinance has a lot of drama, but luckily none of the drama has really been around tiny homes. Like people are like, cool. Yeah. We need more housing in Los Angeles. Like there's literally 500, sorry, 50,000 people that are homeless. Like we need, pe- we need houses. So yeah. There are not anybody any major uh people opposing it no um you know like in in ojai they've had issues with opposition in their community which is um unfortunate um but it's a different community and so yeah we've been lucky to kind of fly by and mostly the the opposition in los angeles is like to where they're being too um too what do you call it basically too careful with adus like when they're like saying, oh, we shouldn't have them in these areas because of X, Y, and Z, um, fires and hillsides. People are basically getting upset about not having enough. So right now, there's not this op- not a strong opposition to having like more types of ADUs, which is awesome. <laughs> Great. So I want to kind of shift gears here and ask you about your own tiny house, The Bacon Box. I love the name. How did it get <laughs> the name and how far along are you? Well... How did it get the name? Okay, so my wife and I, um, when we got married, we ended up, um, we knew that we wanted to like have a shared last name, but we didn't know what. So um, we were kind of playing with a few things like what what should our last name be when we get married? And so we actually got our guests to vote on their like wedding 
our SVPs about <laughs> what they wanted our last name to be. And we gave us suggestions. And um, one suggestion was like a combo of our last names, which ended up being B-A-K-O-N. So that's a Baker and Thompson bacon. So we <laughs> thought it was like awesome. Some people thought it was really not awesome, including a lot of our family members, but it won the vote. So we ended up saying that this was going to be our last name. Now we've been a little bit lazy because of a lot of, <laughs> I don't know, I have a green card. I've got a passport. Chin is in the military. Like we've got all these layers of legal documents we need to change. So we're just like, mm, we're going to change our last name. Um, probably in a year is when we're going to change our last name officially, but we still say that our last name is an officially bacon and, um, the bacon box kind of come, came out of, you know, our last name, but also B-A-K-O means box in Japan, Japanese, I guess. And, um, that's kind of cool because we have a lot of like, we have a lot of inspiration from Japanese design principles in our home. So Yeah there's kind of just a connection there as well. (laughs) That's amazing on so many levels. And so this is a tiny house designed for the two of you? Yes, the two of us and our dog waffles. Um, Yes, um, it is um, eight and a half feet wide, which I thought I was actually going to go wider. But Being trying to live in a backyard in Los Angeles, realizing that a lot of driveways are not going to accommodate a wider house. We went with the eight and a half and it's 20 feet long um, with a few bump outs. And we've got like interesting roof design and a few, um, I don't know, other unique things about our home. It's we're currently um, finished the sheathing and we're putting on the house wrap of our house. So it's almost done the shell kind of stage. I feel like the shell will be done once like the the siding is on. I don't know what classifies a shell being done, but like, I don't know, the sheathing is up. So it looks like a house, which is really awesome, but we have none of the windows in or or anything. It's just really great to get like that image of your house and like to stand in it and to feel what it really feels like. And everyone that comes to our house is like, whoa, it's, it's big. (laughs) It's so funny when that happens. So I love that. I love when it like people say, oh, the space is really not as small as I thought, or or I could do this, and I never thought I would like tiny homes. It's really has a great layout, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> well, that's so exciting! I can't wait to see it as it as it develops. Thank you. Yeah, it's 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 a ton of work, as you know. <laughs> I don't know. It's so overwhelming building a house, but it's definitely really rewarding. So I I'm I'll be so excited when I can kind of give a final tour or what yeah. have you when the house is built. <laughs> now, are you? metal framing the house because in your the the headshot that you sent me is you in front of what looks like the uh, a framed wall in metal yes Yes. and i can't exactly remember that headshot so maybe it wasn't even my house but we definitely are framing with metal and so yes we are doing the cold form steel built tiny house so we i was able to be more creative with my design because I was going to use steel, so I knew that it was going to be printed exactly how I basically wanted it, and I wouldn't have to worry about, like, exact measurements with all my cuts and everything. Like, it's just the pieces kind of flow together, and even though there's a few, like, kinks you have to sort out along the way, it is really helpful to, um, when you want to be more creative with your design, I found. Even though I'm in carpentry and I'm literally working with wood every day, that's a little bit frustrating because I don't, the skills that I'm learning to be able to handle 
or troubleshoot things with wood, I'm like, well, what about what about steel? It's a different field, but it's exciting to to do both. <laughs> well, you're going to get lots of opportunities to do woodworking as you do all the finished carpentry. So I wouldn't be too worried. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I'm putting my skills to test, and even just like the basics behind it, treating kind of wood. I don't know. The the mindset behind it is helpful, but yeah, I'm excited to do some of the finished wood and nice. Work so and put my stuff there. With the cold form steel, so you basically give your design for your house to this company and then they they print you the, the framing that you just assemble? Basically, um, so we work with trailer made trailers and they can do um, custom cold form steel if you didn't know that. So um, Latch Collective is actually partnering with them to be able to provide like California People in California, it's kind of like a distributor for people that are wanting cold form steel and trailers. So yeah, when it basically you get like a rough, a rough program, how to explain it? It's basically like a user-friendly program that you use on your own end to like input where I want my doors and where, I, how I want my roof to be and what the slope is. So it's a separate program. It's specific to trailer made and you can kind of use that program to design your home and then you send it to them and then they do it in the more heavy duty program on their end. And then they send you it in SketchUp so that you can see what the actual framing and everything looks like, and then give it the A-OK. And then they send you all the pieces. It's not in panelized wall, like some other companies do. You actually do get to um, line up everything. You've got your, I guess, plans that just tell you like where piece A, piece B go, etc. cetera. And um, then you make all your panels and then you still have to figure out how everything goes together beyond, um, you know, you'll look back at your SketchUp and then um, connect all the pieces and there's, they give you the hardware and everything that you'll need. So that's great. It's, it definitely takes some of the, um, like framing is really, really, really easy. And then it's a lot lighter. So that, that makes it great for like lifting up walls onto the tiny. I don't know how people do it with like wood and only a few people. Cause we've got this community of hands and also it's a lot lighter, 40% lighter. So yeah, it's, it's great. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. Steel is something that I'm just learning about myself. And it seems like such a great option for movable tiny houses because of that, that weight saving. So way to go with a nice modern material. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely, um, there's pros and cons to both, but you can't ignore that pro of just being 40% lighter. Like even if it's a little bit more expensive, man, the way that you save on gas and also just like a light, like uh, basically, if you're looking at your trailer load, you need to consider how heavy everything is and you can um, get by with a little bit lighter load trailer, not add that extra axle if you know you're going with steel in most cases. So, Yeah, I mean, even if it is a little more expensive, if that allows you to bump down from, you know, a 14,000 pound trailer down to a 10,000 pound trailer, that's that could be well over $1,000 or $2,000 difference in your trailer costs. So it kind of seems like it works itself out. Yeah, definitely. And I would say if you're going to be moving your house a lot, I don't know, like people, people's goals definitely vary with their tiny home. Like I want to move mine when I move, but not all the time because I'm, I don't like pulling things and I'm very stressed out about trailers. I mean like pulling trailers and trucks and all that. It's just not one of my fortes. So I, I don't, I want to do that as little as possible, yeah. but still have the option, but other people are, you know, wanting to travel. And if you're traveling, like you just need to consider the weight a, a lot more. So. Well, one thing that I like to ask all my guests 
uh, is what is one or two resources that helped you along on your tiny house journey that you would like to share with others? I am inspired, I guess, by a few people in the community. And this is a common answer, but Dee Williams book where, you know, she explains about why she got into the movement. That's something I was reading when I lived in Alaska and was like, just fantasizing about the idea of tiny homes. So that I think so many people are inspired for a reason. It really touches like a motivational area within our hearts that are like, let's do this. We can do this. And that kind of fueled my wife and I to explore the movement more. And then just the, all the support and the like, um, the advocacy efforts that are coming from tiny house expedition and Alexis and Christian, I've met them and they're just just such great people. And, you know, their videos inspire me and I've showed them to others and just been like, you can be advocates. It's like what I want people. It helps people be as nerdy as me. And as far as like coding and zoning and everything. So I love that resource. I really um, recommend them. Um, their, their YouTube videos. And then if maybe people don't know this, but you should get, if you're working with wood and not steel, the very efficient carpenter, by Larry Hahn is like, a pain. he's like the, the God of carpentry. And, um, especially for like people just learning the trade of building and framing, get Larry Hahn's book, rest in peace, Larry. He's like a, a king. So, um, Larry Hahn's book is very helpful. <laughs> awesome. I'll check those out. Well, Teresa Baker, thank you so much for your time today. This was really fun. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad that it could work out this time. Thank you for having me and being patient. And um, yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to listening to all the other podcasts. <laughs> thank you so much to Teresa Baker of The Latch Collective for being a guest on our show. You can find the show notes and links mentioned in this episode at thetinyhouse.net slash latch. The Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast is brought to you this week by Tiny House Decisions. Tiny House Decisions is the guide I wish I had when I built my tiny house, and it comes in three different packages to help you get a jump start on your planning. Save hundreds of hours of research and thousands of dollars on your build with Tiny House Decisions. You can learn more at thetinyhouse.net slash THD. We're offering a special discount for podcast listeners. Use the coupon code TINY to take 20% off any package. Again, that's thetinyhouse.net slash THD, coupon code TINY for 20% off. That's all, and I'll be back next week with another episode of the Tiny House Lifestyle Podcast.